Well, how y'all doing tonight? Good to see you. Praise God. Feels good in the house, amen? Yeah, I feel a residual faith in the house. Hallelujah. And I expect that to continue on. I want to uh, thank the men. There were about 16 men here today. Some of our regular men weren't here. And so thank you for being at Men's Prayer. For those of you that don't know about it, it's at 6 a.m. every Wednesday morning till 7. And uh, some go to breakfast afterwards, some go to work. And so you're welcome to join us there. And this week, our intercessor uh, prayer meeting is on Friday at noon. It's normally on Thursday, but this week it's on Friday. So I uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. All of that information is in the bulletin. Uh, the connect if you uh, want to follow up and read more about that. Amen. So tonight I feel uh, I need to share a couple of things with us uh, just from a practical standpoint before we go into the Word of God. And um, some of you have probably been wondering, uh, who are we going to give to this year? <laughs> Fast pray give, right? Uh, offering date is February 14th, and um, that's Sunday morning and Sunday night. If you are prepared, of course, you can give afterwards, but that is the date we've set aside as our, our um, sacrificial offering for Fast Pray Give. And um, I'll explain more about that Sunday. But as I was praying, and, I, and I, I guess I realize now why the Lord had delayed sort of giving me direction on that, um, since Sunday night, the Lord's just really been dealing with me about what's going on in the UN, and uh, specifically Brother Art Wilson, who pioneered a work in Detroit, Michigan. And um, I just feel like the Lord made it very clear to me since Sunday, and confirmed that last night around 10 p.m. through someone that doesn't have a clue what they were doing. But it was really the way that God chose to confirm to me that that's the direction he wants us to go. And so that is uh, the offering that we collect will be sent toward the revival in the UN. Amen. And that is just, I feel like, the mind of God. Because that door is open right now. And we don't know how long that door will stay open, but I feel like we should partner with that open door. And once, and I'm not prophesying that that door would close. Maybe the Lord will keep it open forever. But should it close, amen. You know how, how the Lord works. Once something gets started, you can't stop it. It's that fire. It's that wildfire. And let me try to close a door on it, but you're not going to stop it because those people are going to carry it to every nation that they represent and family and people and friends. And so um, I just feel like that that is what we can do to affect our world this time. And uh, many times it's a home missions work, um, but this time I feel like the Lord is wanting to, to use us to bless that work. Sister Vani Marshall, who comes here often, and Brother Lee Stone King travel there to minister, and Brother Art Wilson. So we want to help maintain what God is doing there. Amen. Praise God. 
Matthew 24, 14, and, and um, you don't have to stand. I'm just referring to this scripture that Brother Bird brought to us Sunday night, and I thought it was very timely. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I look at what God is doing in the United Nations as part of this. I explained to you Sunday that this video of Brother Stone King declaring Acts 2.38, the power of Jesus' name to save and to heal, is, uh, has now gone viral with several million uh, views. And uh, from the platform of the United Nations, the Lord has opened a door for this to be declared. And uh, I just think that God is wrapping this thing up, and we need to act quickly as we can. Amen? Praise God. So I remind you our offering date is the 14th, which is a week from this coming Sunday. And uh, we have personal access to Brother Wilson so we can communicate directly with him that we do not want these funds to be uh, publicly uh, acknowledged. Amen? Some practical instructions as it relates to our services. Um, I just feel like I'm wanting to communicate a few of these things because I don't want a train wreck on March 6th. On March 6th, the youth will begin service in the youth center from the very beginning. So if you have children that need dropped off, young people, uh, March 6th, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., they will start in the youth center. And um, that's different than what we've had. And I want to clarify for you those ages that will be starting off in the youth center. Uh, those that are affected will be seventh grade and 12 years old through high school graduates. They will be in the youth center. And we're asking all the students uh, of that age to start out back there. So if you're a parent, please help us out. And uh, if you're acknowledging a guest or someone and trying to help them find where their children go, uh, March 6th, high school and down to 7th grade or 12 years old, go to the youth center. Is that clear? Amen. And our young adults will, will meet here in the uh, main sanctuary, and then they will go back after worship here. And that age group is uh, graduated from high school to 25 years old or young or married. And so we're defining those groups for the purpose of growth not coming and impending growth, but current growth. Amen. And it's an ever-increasing number that is being fed by our Sunday school, which is ever-increasing, and to God be the glory. And uh, these distinct ages and functions will need to be followed and adhered to in order for us to facilitate growth. We need these seats. Amen. It's a great situation. I don't know if you saw Sunday what happened, but if you were here, when the youth were dismissed, it looked like a bus had unloaded and then just people started filing down. And that section was completely full. And uh, so we're thankful for that, but we're trying to facilitate uh, the growth God is sending uh, with means that we can do right now. And we will, we're pursuing the mind of God for what he wants us to do. Amen. 
So we have uh, facility realities and space limitations that uh, need to be relieved and more age-specific ministry for the students, and we're thankful and excited about what God's doing there. Praise God. We will be expanding our guest awareness and hospitality teams in the next month or two in anticipation of Easter. And uh, in case you don't know it, we're targeting to uh, have a 1,000 people here on Easter. Last year we had a 826 with very little push. And so I think that we should fill up the house and compel people to come. Amen? So we're going to be putting some tools in your hands to do that. And I believe it's a reality that we can reach. Praise God. But we're trying to make some preparations for that. And uh, we need your help. I'll probably spend some time on a Sunday evening very soon. And the reason I'm going to do it on a Sunday evening is because I feel it's important that our young people and everyone's in here to receive the instruction that I want to give. But tonight, I just want to take a couple of minutes and help us understand guest awareness. And I'm sure that you've heard it said, you only have one opportunity to make a first impression, right? And uh, I think the reason this is so important is we want people to come back. I want to be intentional. And uh, I like to think of it like this. It's more than we're trying to impress someone. We're trying to remove distractions. Amen. If you go somewhere and, and there's no distractions, you want to go back. But if you go somewhere and you can't focus and, and there's a lot of distractions and things bugging you, then uh, it's not a pleasant experience. And ultimately, God is the one that draws people to him. Amen. But I don't want to be an, uh, someone to impede that or we can do things that cause people not to be distracted. I think that's healthy for us. And I know this doesn't sound real spiritual. But I'm going to prove to you it's spiritual. Because if you spent two to three years investing in someone, teaching someone a Bible study, witnessing to someone, being nice at work, doing all the things that you know to do, praying behind the scenes, fasting for them, putting their name in a jar and committing them to the Lord, and they show up, and somebody that they choose to sit beside is rude, gets kind of spiritual then, doesn't it? And it gets kind of personal because it's your guest. It's your person. And so every person that walks in these doors is important tonight. Amen. We're not worried about race or social status or, or what they look like. Amen. We're just happy that somebody comes because we pray all the time that God draws people driving down the road people that you witness to at work, people in other states right now that God deems that he wants them here, we pray that God draws them here. That's very spiritual. And it seems very carnal to be nice and to offer our seat and to take our coats off of there and our diaper bag and our, and our coat and our toys and our food. and You get the point, right? Amen. We need to make sure that we're just doing everything we can to create space. Um, and though it doesn't sound spiritual, I believe it is. And we, we just need to prepare and um, go, our, go the extra mile to be hospitable. And um, I feel like this is vital. 
and I think that our church does a great job, but we can always improve, and especially with the demand on seats, right? The demand on seats, and, you know, you don't like to sit close to people. Right? Only a little space. And these are people you kind of know. If you go somewhere where you don't know somebody, it's like, I want a lot of space. I'm just pastoring just for a few minutes here before I start teaching. So I think we do a great job, but we just need to continually improve and be mindful. And um, it's great that our mind's on the Lord when we walk in here. But the Bible says, watch and pray. (laughs) We can be spiritual and mindful. And if we see somebody, we need to. Uh, understand that we're there to help them praise God so just a few things to consider as we train to make sure that we're uh, using our space sufficiently and I would ask you to practice your smiles your welcoming spirit and uh, I think it's important that you introduce yourself if, if, you know, especially on Sunday mornings, if, if there's like 30 people diving for one spot, make sure when they get to that spot, they've been greeted with a smile, a welcoming face, and an introduction. Hey, my name is Joe. What's your name? Sit right here. Thank you for coming. Here, let me scoot in. <laughs> let me demonstrate that one. doesn't work on the front row come on jr help me all right i'm I'm preaching spiritual you just don't know it yet okay it's sunday morning and this is the only seat left well actually it's down there in the middle because these people on the end don't want to move and those people on the end don't want to move and here comes poor jr it's his first time and and i look up and i'm like what are you doing here? Church has started. <laughs> and I'm lifting my hands, and JR's standing there, and he's looking over there, but there's no room over there. But he's looking at that seat right there. I know he wants it, but, but I don't want to let him in because I'm, I'm worshiping the Lord. And I say, well, what's your name? JR. Oh, hi, JR. There's a seat right over there, okay? So I make JR implement the climb over move. You get to climb over me, my family, my friends, and then you can have this seat. Instead of me saying, hey guys, let's move down so JR can get a spot. Come on, JR. Hey, my name's Joe Arata. Glad to have you with us. All right. Hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, just feel free to ask me. I'm just a tug away I'll I'll do whatever I can to help you I don't know if that helps or not but I've been places where I've been the climber it's not fun to be a climber no it's not meant to be ouch it's meant to be the truth 
I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm just using a little humor to help us understand that sometimes we can be so self-absorbed that this two-year investment, this six-month investment, this person that's probably broken and needing some help doesn't need to walk in here and feel like an inconvenience. So I'm just using a little fun with this, all right? So let's, let's eliminate the climb over. Let's go out of our way. Let's offer our seat. My name is. Can I help you? Let me know if there's anything I can do. All right? Shake your neighbor's hand and say, that was fun. Amen. If you didn't receive it as fun, it was meant to be fun. Please take it in love. Now just let me say this. I believe that this is one of the most friendly churches that I know of, and not because I'm the pastor, not because you're here, but from the feedback we get. And I'm thankful for that. But the worst thing we can do is to stop trying or stop being mindful. So I just want to encourage you to be mindful of what you already do a good job at. Amen? All right. I feel that the Lord would have me lay a spiritual... Uh, a scriptural foundation to a spiritual principle. And I'm not sure how far I'll get tonight, but I'm going to try. James chapter 4. <clears throat> and this is something that everyone in this house deals with, has to work with, has to work on. I don't care if you're the pastor, the usher, the saint, the Sunday school teacher. Uh, the guest services department, worker at the welcome desk, every one of us have to work on this in our personal lives. And I think this is very powerful because I think some of, sometimes we can get frustrated in our walk with God at uh, sometimes the things that we see in the Word of God, but sometimes they're not happening for us as readily as we would like to see them happen. Make sense? And so I've, I believe that, that uh, the Lord would have us to look into this area of spiritual alignment, proper spiritual alignment. And uh, it affects all of us, no matter our age. Hopefully, as we mature, we gain the upper hand on this. But uh, let's go to James chapter 4 and verse 5. And I like the way James puts it here. It's... It's very clear. He says, Do you think that the Scripture say, saith in vain, or for no purpose, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? He's, he's talking about the base nature that all of us have to fight against. There is a lust within us. There is a spirit that lusts for the wrong thing. He says it's there. It dwells in us. It's carnal nature it's flesh and he says it's there don't don't think it's not there the scripture is not saying this in vain but then verse 6 says he giveth more grace wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble I think that that's kind of a weird 
way to say it there in the first part of verse 6, but he giveth more grace. In other words, he just went from talking about this lust that is working in us to cause us to envy and have struggles in our flesh, but he gives more grace. In other words, he says that stuff is working in you all the time, but God is able to give you the grace to overcome it. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Look who has to initiate this spiritual alignment. Submit yourselves to God. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. Make a choice to draw nigh to God. Get in alignment and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and let your joy to heaviness. Is that saying that living for God and being a Christian is a terrible life and a sad life? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying we need to afflict ourselves. We need to bring this flesh under subjection. We need to bring ourselves into proper alignment by humbling ourselves in verse 10 in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So there's a purpose in all of this alignment stuff. It's spiritual victory. It's spiritual power. It's spiritual authority. And the Lord shall lift you up. What does that mean? That he's going to give you some lofty, prideful place? No. He's going to allow you to rise up and operate in spiritual authority. Amen. So before uh, we get too deep into this, there's not a person here that doesn't desire to walk in all the spiritual power and authority that God has for us, I don't believe. And, and it's at our disposal tonight. Amen. But there are certain principles and biblical alignments that cannot be excluded or omitted from our lives, amen, if we desire and expect to walk in spiritual power and authority. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you if you are walking in all of the spiritual power and authority that you deem the Word of God offers you. Are you content with where you are spiritually? Is there anything that frustrates you? Is there anything that uh, you battle with? I will hopefully, through the word of the Lord, help us tonight to see what God says we can do about that. And uh, let's, let's go on now to uh, look at these scriptures and break them down. In verse 6, it says, Pride, pride reduces us to individual achievement and I believe that this is where sometimes we can get sidetracked because pride is so subtle no one goes around saying I've got pride I want pride there's a lot in the Word of God about pride that's not good but pride is so subtle it's it's uh, sometimes you don't even know you have it it's like a virus you know, a virus you carried around for a while before it manifests or before it incubates. And so it is with pride. And that's why we have to constantly check ourselves that there's no pride there. Because when we step out in pride or we start walking with God in pride, amen, it's basically saying, I've got everything I need within my flesh to do this. 
And that's why when we get beat down or knocked off our feet, uh, we're very quickly reminded, hey, I can't do this on my own. I'm not where I need to be spiritually. I'm not where I want to be. And how did I get here? And how did this thing get the upper hand in my life? I tell you, usually, if you trace it back, it will be traced to some sort of self-reliance or some sort of pride because God resists the proud. He says, go ahead and walk. You don't need me? Walk on your own. He resists the proud. He steps back from the proud. Amen. And then it becomes a fleshly walk. Amen. Very dangerous. But look at this. He said, humility activates grace. But he gives grace to the humble. God rushes to our aid with grace. What is grace? Supernatural power that is beyond ourselves. The grace of God. How do you do that? Through the grace of God. How do we walk and live an overcoming life? Through the grace or the power of God. The grace of God. Amen. Paul said, except for the grace of God, there go I. What was he saying? Amen. That's somebody that's walking in flesh and they think they can do it, but they're, they're desperately deceived uh, and they've gotten caught up in all of the entanglements of the world and they're living in sin and they can't get out of sin because they're too proud to admit they need to get out of sin. That's why the devil's greatest ally uh, is pride. Well, I don't want to go to the altar because somebody will think I'm doing something wrong. The altar is our best friend. Amen. It's a place where we can gain access to grace, but we have to step out of pride and start walking in humility, and we leave pride behind, we leave flesh behind, we leave failure behind, and we step into grace, we step into the power of God, and when we get up from a place of humility and asking God to help us, amen, with our infirmities and our weaknesses, then we are empowered to gain the victory over those things. But it's not possible. It's not available as long as we walk in pride. We must step into humility, which activates God's grace or his power. Now look in verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is one of the most misquoted scriptures in the entire Bible. Amen. Or at least half quoted. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's part of the alignment. But that's back to flesh. You can't resist him on your own. You've got this, you've got this evil, uh, how does he say it here? Lust that brings forth envy, this thing that's working inside of you, the spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy. And if we're just trying to resist the devil and be good on our own energy and our own abilities and our own mindset, uh, we're only going to get about this far until we realize that we need some help. 
Satan is stronger than we are. He's been the devil a long time if we're just going to function in the flesh. But the moment we submit ourselves to God, then we have his grace working in our lives and we have the power at our access then to truly resist him. Amen. Submission and proper spiritual alignment is the key to supernatural power and authority. More power in your life, more power in my life, more submission. More submission to God. More decreasing so that he can increase. John said, I must decrease so that he must increase. Oh, more of you, more of you. I've had all but what I need, more of you. And the Lord's saying, I've got more of me to give you than you can hold, but you've got to empty some of you out so I can pour some of me in. Amen. And that's why we, we want more of him. If we want more power, then we must pour out some of our nature and our flesh and empty ourselves out. And we have access then to supernatural power, that grace that he's talking about. Amen. And the gift of faith operating gives us insight uh, into the whole mindset of God amen let's let's go to first John 5 and let's look into this just real quickly because I believe this helps us see how this whole thing functions first John 5 3 we cannot access these things again through our own flesh or our own abilities it's only through him first john 5 3 and 4 for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments i won't spend a lot of time here but you can't keep god's commandments unless you first humble yourself and submit yourself and his commandments are not grievous. Somebody that thinks God's word, his ways, his commandments are grievous doesn't understand what they do. Because as we submit to God, we actually become more liberated. Amen? Verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our this is powerful the victory that overcomes the world is our faith but we do not have that faith until we are born of God and we submit to God's word and his ways. We cannot have victory without faith. Amen. Is that, is that too simple? You can't have victory without faith. According to this, our faith produces the victory in our life. Amen. But we can't have victory without submission and we can't have submission without grace and we can't have grace without humility. Without proper spiritual alignment, we have no power. None. 
But if we get our lives in alignment with him, amen, we have all the spiritual power and authority we need, and we're now able to operate in faith. And our faith overcomes the world or the system or even he that is in control of the system, Satan himself. When we submit ourselves to God, or let's go in reverse order, when we humble ourselves, it accesses God's grace. And through his grace, we are then able to have the power to submit. And when we submit, we get victory in our life. And when we have victory, we're now free to walk and operate in faith. You can't operate in faith without first being submitted to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without proper spiritual alignment, we have no power. Everything God has created or ordained has order to it. That's why the Big Bang Theory just doesn't work. Amen? You don't have an explosion and everything goes into perfect order. It's impossible. It's possible to hold a firecracker and light it, and when it explodes, you have a bunch of shards of paper. But you have no firecracker because you have destruction. And so God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. He brought out of that void and darkness and all of that confusion, he spoke and he brought definition and he brought order. And everything God does, he brings order out of disorder. Not the other way around. And so in our lives, if we want order, then we must bring things into alignment. We must bring things into order. We must uh, bring our lives into order according to the scripture. And then things start taking shape and taking definition. And we begin to walk in power and authority because we are in alignment with God's word and his principles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Now, this is, this is a principle tonight, all right? This is a principle. Principles are something to be lived by. You live by principles. This isn't a uh, uh, genie in the bottle, a get-rich-quick. This is a way to live life. And when we live life according to the principles of God, they work. Look at Matthew chapter 8, and verse 5. When Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching or begging him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And I believe what's not stated here is he's about to die. It's very serious. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. No delay. Look what the centurion says in verse 8. He answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. I don't know if you think that's happenstance. I, I don't think it's happenstance that he would use the term under my roof because when you step into someone's home, you are basically submitting to them. It's their home. You don't just don't walk in, get groceries out of the refrigerator, and you know, go and lay down in their bed and all kinds of it's not your house. And I believe this centurion 
uh, once we read all of this, it will make sense that he was saying, I'm not worthy that you should come under my authority. You shouldn't step under my roof. You shouldn't come into my house. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now look at this centurion, how much faith he's operating in. He's just turned down Jesus. Jesus said, I'll drop everything and come right now and heal. He says, no, Lord, I'm not worthy. Now look what that is. That's not false humility. He was saying, God, I understand who you are. I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. But if you'll just speak a word, Lord. You see how that attracted the grace of God and the power of God? He humbled himself, brought himself into alignment. And look what he says. He goes on to explain it. I am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, I say to this man, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. The centurion says, I understand authority. Now, I like this because it's very subtle, but we can't miss it. He didn't say, I am a man of authority. He said, I, the first thing he said to Jesus was, I'm a man under authority. I understand submission. Then he goes on to say, I've got men that are under me that I speak to and they go and they come and I've got servants that do exactly what I ask them to do. He said, I understand the power of submission and I understand the power of the spoken word. You don't have to come to my house, Lord, because I'm under authority and because I've got people under me, I understand that you can just speak a word, Lord, because I'm right now bringing myself under submission to you. I'm aligning myself spiritually with you so that all you've got to do is speak the word. Do you see the faith that was operating in the centurion? Because it was all based upon his ability to bring spiritual alignment to his life. Jesus said, wow, too. <laughs> Look what he said. Verse 10. He heard it and he marveled. Wow. Did I just hear you? Most people would have had him come over just for the social recognition. Hey, Jesus came to my house today. I don't know if you noticed, but after church, Jesus got in my car. Jesus marveled. He's like, did you hear what he said? He says to them that, that followed, he said to them, he said, did you, did you hear what he said? Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. This revelation you've got, Mr. Centurion, is powerful. I don't find many people with this revelation. I don't find many people that can walk in the faith level that you're walking in because they don't understand spiritual alignment in their life. And I say unto you, 
that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, for there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe the reason this is so out of place to be put right here, but I believe Jesus was saying there are people that don't understand what you understand, centurion. And because their life is out of spiritual order, they're not going to be where they need to be when the time comes. Then he wraps it up with 13 and says to the centurion, Go your way as you have believed, so be it unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame or the same hour. Jesus was met by that centurion begging him to help. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, No, you just speak the word. You, you, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Just speak the word. I'm a man under authority. Amen. Jesus heard it. He, he said, I haven't found faith like this before. Praise God. Jesus said to him, go your way as your faith has been demonstrated here. As you have believed, be it unto you. The centurion was under authority, which in turn gave him authority. Amen? Caused him to have faith. See, really this teaching tonight is, I believe the Lord wants us to see how to access the power that really we so desperately need and want in our lives and in the church. Faith. His faith. Everyone say his faith. His faith produced miracle-working power because of his spiritual alignment. I want to spend a couple minutes here on practical alignment. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In Jesus' name, touch that little cough. Amen. First Corinthians 11.3. Now, I'm just piecing some things together, and I'm not delving deep into this tonight. But I believe it's important. First Corinthians 11.3. But I would not have, excuse me, but I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Paul gives us a very clear picture of the order, the spiritual authority that all of us need to get our lives in line with. Amen. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. He goes in sort of reverse order or jumbled there, but it's clear. Christ, the flesh, is submitted to the Spirit. Amen. And man is submitted to Christ. The woman is submitted to man. Now, we don't take the time tonight to go to every scripture here, but just from a high-level view of this, God, the Spirit, is in complete control. 
Jesus was born means he was begotten. The flesh of God, the body of Jesus Christ was here for a purpose, which was to die on the cross for our sins, right? So that body did not get its life from itself. The Spirit of God overshadowed Mary, right? She became impregnated with a seed from the Holy Ghost, and that which was in her was of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so that's why Jesus in the garden Amen. He prayed. Not my will, but thine be done. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But he, what was he doing in the garden? He was submitting himself. Even though he thought it not equal, a robbery to be equal with God, as we're going to read here in just a moment, he brought himself under submission because he realized that his mission here on earth would not be accomplished and that he would not have the power to submit himself to the death of the cross if he was not in alignment. Not my will, thy will be done. Why would he go three trips into the garden asking the same thing? If it be possible, let this cup pass for me. If it be possible, let me not have to go through with this cross thing, this laying down and being crucified. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm going to stay in alignment because I know if I step out of alignment, then I have no power. And so we look at Jesus as our example and how to live our lives and the things that we face. There are some times where submission's not easy, but it's right. And so we have to all bring ourselves back into alignment because Satan is constantly trying to lure us out of alignment. Amen. So we as men, men are spiritual priests of the home. We're supposed to take on spiritual covering, spiritual leadership. And you hear that word covering used many times. Well, covering is simply another way for saying uh, protection, a place to hide, a place of submission so that we can get in alignment with God. You read down through this whole 11th chapter, it's dealing with hair and, and it's really dealing with submission as hair relates to submission and husbands and wives and men and women. So this is powerful. And so a woman brings herself under a submitted man. Let's just whip out the prop. This is representative of God. If you, can you bear with me just for a second?
This represents God. This represents spiritual authority. Covering. Amen. When Jesus was in the garden, his flesh wanted him to step out from underneath order. But he submitted himself and kept going into the garden to say, if it be possible, let me bypass the cup. Let my will rule. Let my flesh have its way. Nevertheless, if that's going to cause me to lose out, to miss my mark, to not hit the mark, to not fulfill my mission, I will bring myself back under submission to you. And because Jesus went to that garden, you see many people think that the nails held him on the cross and that was the great victory at the cross. No, I'm going to tell you where the cross was won. The, the cross was won in the garden where Jesus aligned himself and he put himself in submission. He humbled himself. Hebrews tells us he humbled himself and became obedient to, even to the death of the cross. What he was, he got in spiritual alignment as a man and he submitted himself he humbled himself therefore he had power that was flowing down that gave him the ability to say go ahead and drive the nails in my hand go ahead and mock me go ahead and put a thorn a crown of thorns on my head I've already got the victory over this I've already got the grace of God the strength and the power of God to defeat this situation so here we are as men and we're standing over here as men of God and, and Christians and people that are trying to walk with God. And we're saying, okay, there's the Spirit of God. That makes sense that he's in control. But now I see Christ bringing his will into subjection and saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And so uh, I'm supposed to look at Christ and see him as my blueprint. Uh, amen. And when I'm going through life and I come to the Lord and I say, what is this walking with God stuff all about? I'll tell you in a nutshell, if we can just get one thing about our walking with God in control, it's going to liberate every other area. And we're going to look at Christ and say, he submitted, he humbled himself, so I'm going to bring myself under submission to Christ. Amen. The head of every man is Christ. Amen. And so I'm going to imitate him. I'm going to submit. I'm going to submit my will. I'm going to humble myself and become obedient unto Christ. And then the Bible says the head of every woman is the man. And so, boy, this is kind of a tough one now in uh, 2016. But the Bible was not written in 2016. And so we all have to look at this and say, how does this apply to me? Amen. And so as a wife, we bring ourselves into submission to our own. The Bible says your own husband. And so we submit ourselves. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Can anyone solve that riddle? It's not a riddle, it's scripture, but it's like a riddle. How is that possible? How can two walk together except they be agreed?
Anybody want to take a shot at it? Do let me let me back up. How many husbands and wives here tonight see eye to eye on everything? You can smile and go. So now let's ask the question. What does it mean to to read that scripture? How can two walk together except they be agreed? One has to submit to the other. Then they can walk in agreement. If we're walking together but we're not agreed, that means we're like unequally yoked oxen that are pulling this way and pulling that way and pulling this way. And that's the picture of us any life, not just husband and wife, but if a man has this mindset of, I, I talked to somebody and I, I'm just going to share, I wasn't going to, but the Lord kept bringing it to me. He's keep bringing it to me. Uh, just recently, as in like in the last week, talked to somebody about, you know, they were talking to me about how long they had gone on this this spiritual journey and fast and so I said oh okay and and uh, so I said uh, what church do you go to well I, I don't go to a church I said oh really I said uh, you know what's your experience with, with walking with God well I, I'm not going to ever be a part of a church because I'm not going to have any man take the credit for who I become I was just like, mm-hmm. That doesn't work. I don't read in there, you just go out in the woods and live for Jesus and do what, because what we do is we get whacked out thinking because it's not, it doesn't have to come under submission to anything. It doesn't have to work in alignment. We don't have to be in agreement. We don't have to submit ourselves. And when there's a lack of submission, there's a lack of order. And when there's a lack of order, there's no power. Amen. And when there's no power, amen, we have no faith operating. I'm not saying you can't go to the woods and pray and fast, but come back under and get submitted and stay submitted. Amen. Because then what happens, if we get out here doing wacky stuff, we start getting private interpretations of Scripture. We start making doctrines of men. We start doing things that are right in our own eyes. Uh, but when we bring it under submission, it has to work with the Word of God. It has to be agreeable. Amen. The Bible says judge a word of prophecy. So all those things require submission. Man, I'm just shotgunning tonight, I know. But here we are. Here we are. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not even getting into civil, uh, civil submission. But I will touch on it while you're going to Ephesians. It's getting harder and harder to submit. Amen. But the Bible does say that we should obey uh, the laws of the land to render unto Caesar who, uh, what is Caesar's. And uh, so uh, I found it amazing that Jesus submitted himself to Pilate. He could have said, you have, no, you have no rule over me, but he submitted himself to Pilate. Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, many times we jump to verse 10. Is anybody there? Why don't you read verse 10? I don't have it in my printed notes. Read verse 10. Read it out loud, please. 
We like that. Well, that's a good scripture, isn't it? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm going to, I'm going to give the devil a black eye. I'm going to kick his teeth in. Oh, okay. You might want to back up and read one through nine. Look where it starts. This is just a continuation of 1 Corinthians, the order that's being established by Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen. And the reason I bring this out is because I think that we as parents need to know how to teach our children this principle. Amen? And teaching the principle isn't because I said so. That doesn't work. We need to teach them the principle. And the reason that that doesn't work is many times we're saying, because I said so, but our life is out from underneath the umbrella. And that kid's looking on and saying, but you're asking me to come up under your umbrella, but you're not stepping under this umbrella. So he says in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's right to be under the umbrella. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that, you may, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. And listen to the responsibility of us fathers. If we're under the umbrella, most times we will not do this, but many times we can provoke our children to wrath. He says, don't provoke your children to wrath, fathers, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The nurturing, the loving nurturing. Not do as I say, but uh, do as I show you what to do. I'm nurturing you. I'm exampling you. I'm shepherding your heart to do it because you're seeing me do it. And I'm not saying we're all perfect, but I'm saying we can, we can, there's room for error under the umbrella. We don't get it exactly perfect every time, but you know when you step out from under there because a subtle rebellion begins to grip your heart and you start, your motives begin to change. But if we can just keep our motives and everything under this umbrella, then our children will pick up on that. Servants. Now he's talked to the children. Now he's dealing with servants. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh and fear and trembling and in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Here's the key to all submission. It has to be done as unto Christ because that covers us when we don't agree. I don't agree, but because I want to please Christ, I will do this. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing, here it is, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. There it is. 
You see where strength comes? You see where all the armor's at? You see where the sword and all this stuff that we're going to fight the devil with and we're going to defeat? Yeah, we are going to put uh, the devil on the run and we can defeat him. We can whip him as long as we're under submission and as long as we're filled with the armor. Then we get power when we're under submission. But power doesn't come before submission. Amen. So what's the point? If we want to operate in faith, because faith is the only thing that overcomes the world, then we've got to be under submission. Because submission brings faith. go on. I'm going to stop here. I find it interesting that as you read down in that Ephesians chapter 6 that he says above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Could it be that our shield of faith is in direct proportion to our submission? Because he said this is what overcomes the world, even your faith. When you are under submission to God in every area of your life, Satanic arrows cannot penetrate the covering over your life. The devil can rain everything he wants over you. Just like when he wanted to get to Job. He says, I, oh, I could touch him, but you've got a hedge about him. The Bible says that Job was a perfect man, one that loved God and eschewed or hated evil. What was that? He, he was a man under authority. He was a man that had protection. He had spiritual alignment, and the, the devil says, I can't get to him. And he says, uh, well, I'll take that hedge down, and, and you can do anything you want, but you can't take his life. So the Lord allowed him to be hit, if you will, by an attack, but he still had a hedge over his life. He said, you can cause pain, you can cause discomfort, but Job won't deny you because he's going to stay under submission. That's why he said, though he, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he allows me to be hit, I'm going to stay under the umbrella. I'm going to keep my end of the deal because I know God is faithful 
And if he's allowing me to be hit, it's not because he doesn't love me or he's not keeping his word. So I'm going to stay in the right position with God and take my chances. Amen. And it was that kind of attitude that Job said, I'm not coming out from underneath the Lord's protection. Even though I don't see it on the left hand, I don't see it on the right hand. I look behind me, I don't see God. I look before me, I don't see him. But I know he's here because if it, was, if it wasn't for him, I'd be dead by now. Now, but something is keeping me. Something is protecting me. Something is keeping my faith. Uh, the, the wife said, Job's wife said, go ahead and slay him, Job. Come out from underneath God's protection, Job. Just curse God and die. Job said, no way. I'm not staying out there. I'm not getting outside of God's ultimate protection. I'm going to stay under him. Uh, you can curse him if you want to, but I'm not cursing him. Above all, you know, we're thinking a little trash can lid. Above all, take the shield of faith. No, it's directly to tied to submission. Faith is a byproduct of proper spiritual alignment in our life. And as we submit to God, we have faith because the righteous are as bold as a lion. Stand with me. The shield of faith is only there when and as we are submitted to God. Hmm. Wow. This is so powerful. JR, come on up here. No, 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 no. Bring him. That's why I picked you. JR, whatever you do, keep your life submitted to God. Stay under the umbrella. Because as you're under the umbrella, that's not even yours. I need to get some new glasses. No wonder you weren't going to bring him up here. Work with me, all right? Just work with me. He's looking at me like, Pastor's weird. I'm going to try to, re- try to recover this. Whatever you do, you stay under here. Whatever Abby does, she needs to stay submitted to you. Now, I know, here's, here's the question that just buzzed through everyone's mind. What if he's not doing right? Am I supposed to submit to him? Here's the deal. If something happens to try to pull you out from under that umbrella, you don't get out from underneath that umbrella. Because Paul, even Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. But as long as husband, the man of God, the spiritual leader in your home. If you don't have a husband, guess what? That's you and then Christ. All right? But you have to answer. You have to keep your life submitted. 
Abby has to keep her life submitted. Your kids have to keep their life submitted to you and obey you as their parents because the moment you step out from underneath there, everything under you is out from alignment. But if you stay in alignment, I know we're not shouting and screaming in here tonight, but this will remove a lot of frustration in all of our lives. As we learn, thank you, as we learn this principle. I know it's five till. Maybe we could just take this five minutes to come up around this altar. And just tell the Lord, Lord, I want faith to operate in my life like never before. I want power if you're in this place tonight and you've got an area of frustration in your life, the first place I would go check is, is there any area of my life that I can bring into a more clear and proper alignment? 